Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So, AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So, welcome and enjoy. Well, I think, I think uh, first of all, it's always good to be with Accidental Muslims. I mean, you guys do incredible work, which I'm really, really grateful for. I think what you do for the communities around South Africa is really amazing, actually. And I think there's an amazing future for that. So, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we're here today because uh, we have a special guest with us, Jihan Qaisi from, uh, from Lebanon, uh, an organization in Lebanon called, uh, in Lebanon called Urda. And uh, we at African Muslim Agency, how this came about was pretty much uh, about, uh, about a year ago now, just, just uh, over a year ago. I was in Lebanon in uh, refugee camps there in Lebanon uh, because uh, one of the guys I work with, uh, Dr. Vincent, actually went over there uh, on a different mission, a medical mission, and uh, noticed that there were children without limbs, uh, obviously wow. lost their limbs in war, conflict. And so he came back and he approached me and we started working on a project that we'll discuss at, another, at a later stage where we make uh, robotic hands for children and stuff. But anyway, that's, that's uh, another discussion. But that sparked now a passion to go to Lebanon and find out exactly what's going on in these refugee camps. So we took a trip over there and I went there to meet with uh, this organization, incredible organization, Urda. And we went over there and went into, Lebanon, uh, into refugee camps where there's Syrian and Palestinian refugees and started interacting with people and start interviewing women and orphans and this kind of stuff. And just see, hearing stories that you cannot imagine. And when you're there and you just... And for me, it's always about humanity. If you hear a story of a human being that's in need and you have the ability to help and you choose not to, something fundamentally is wrong with your humanity. That's just my view on anything. It doesn't matter which culture, which religion, race, it's irrelevant to me. If you see someone in need and for some reason you choose not to, even though you are able to, there's something wrong with your humanity. That's my opinion. Anyway, so we were there. I thought, no, something, we must do something here. And I was in a, in a camp, in a tent, if you want to call it that, talking to a woman, uh, interviewing her about her and her children. And that's when you know, there was another lady on the trip with us, and she just said to me, wait a second, what are we doing? Like, I mean, there's no way this woman's going to open up to me the way uh, we would, the way she'd want to. I just cannot empathize. I mean, think about it. Uh -huh. Here I am as a man coming there, assuming to know what she's going, what she's going through. I mean, how is that possible? So we came back and we thought as African Muslim Agency, no, this is last year. Yeah. Let's send the team of women. Because a woman talking to a woman and talking about her children and what she'd been through, that can be a very different perspective. And so we sent a whole bunch of incredible women here from South Africa that went along in October last year. And Dr. Nerosha, who's here with us this evening, actually was one of them together with Idrissa. And of course, many others, but just the ones that are here now. And they went along on that trip. And I tell you, when they came back, I said, it was middle of October. I said to them, wait a second, ladies, when you come back, and I'd like a commitment from you that till the end of December, we'll raise money for 100 orphans in Lebanon, in these refugee camps, to fund them for the whole of 2019. They came back within two and a half weeks that was raised. So I thought, okay, now wait a second, you don't give up just because the time has expired, uh, because, because you reached the goal. We said we got till the end of December. So to the end of December, they raised 268 orphans that are funded for the entire of 2019. That blew my mind. And I thought, wait a second. There's something that we can do here that's amazing. So we sent another group of women, what, maybe a month ago now, maybe six weeks ago now, uh, maybe two months ago now. We Risa was the head of that uh, women's trip again, and a bunch of other women went now, which is quite amazing. And so they went along now to see what we can do for Ramadan in these camps, and how do these people live in Ramadan, and what do they eat, and how do they get clothing for Eid, mm. and what exactly happens. Now, don't get me wrong, 
I'm on, uh, strongly believe that 100 meters from your house, there's somebody who needs food. You don't have to go to Lebanon to find someone to help. But when you think about it, when you, when you were there and you hear the stories and you thought, wait a second, there's something we can do collectively as a society. So we sent this group of women, they came back. And I tell you, they got so passionate. Two women from Dubai and a whole bunch of women from South Africa went uh, and together as a team under African Muslim Agency on the ground there. And they met with, and of course, we have a friend here, Nizam, uh, as well as with us today, went on a separate uh, mission as well there as well. And he was touched by some of the, the children there. So that's how that kind of came about. Coming back from there, the stories, and you'll get to see tonight. So I'm going to let Jahan take over in a couple of seconds because Jahan's going to take us through a process. She'll share with you a little bit from her background quickly and where she comes from and her incredible experience. And then she's going to connect us directly to the, to the refugee camps in Lebanon. And we're going to try to go to three different areas and meet with children. And I tell you, when you hear of a child who watched their father being killed, or you hear of children who have no father and mother because when they came back, from school, the mother and father were killed already. When you hear those stories and you understand that you can make a difference for that child's Eid or that child's breaking fast or whatever the case is, that was why we sent those women so they can come back and so we can raise funds. So Jihan's been here for two weeks now around the country, pretty much all the cities around the country, even country towns, to be able to go and raise awareness for what goes on there. So we work with Palestinians, Syrians and poverty-stricken Lebanese as well which is quite amazing when you think about it. So, Jihan's an incredible woman, what she's done around uh, the world. She's been to Bangladesh, to, uh, to Rohingya. Uh, when, she, when, you, when you hear the stuff she's done and uh, just the sincerity and passion, I think that always fascinates me because, again, from our perspective as African Muslim Agency, we're always looking for partners on the ground that are truly passionate about humanity. Where it doesn't matter somebody's age, race, color, religion, background is irrelevant. The human being is the creator from the same creator as all of us. So, Jan, over to you. Uh, I'm really glad I'm spending my last night in South Africa with you all. I'm so excited, so happy, so happy to go back to my family and to my families in the camps as well. But also sad a little bit because I'm leaving all families that I met, all houses that were opened for me, and uh, the people that gave me so many hugs and kisses to handle for uh, refugees. So I got attached to South African people and families and the love that they gave me and how passionate they are about helping refugees and uh, orphans. All this touched uh, my heart really. And I'm sad and happy at the same time. Um, I just want to, so I want to ask you, you, you spoke, I just noted down, so I don't want to forget, you said family in the camps. What, how do you get to a point where they actually or your family. Yeah, they are my family. Because you know, refugees in Lebanon, they are neglected. They don't have anyone. They are not treated like human beings. And whenever I go to the camp, uh, they know me. Now we'll talk to some children. Yes, and yes. you'll see that you know me. They yes. call me Mom Gigi, Mom Jihan. Mom. They call me, they create names for me and just they call me. So for me, they are family. And uh, uh, situation in Lebanon is very bad for refugees, the Palestinian and, and uh, Syrian refugees. Yes. They live deprived from the essentials of life. They have nothing. They uh, they came to Lebanon and they, they don't want to leave their country, but it's not safe. They came to protect their children, but their children are dying because of winter, of hunger, uh, of fire that attacked the camps before because of the candle they used in order to light their tent. 
stressful situation, whatever I say, I describe by words, feel is different, the, the reality is different. And we got several uh, delegations that came through African Muslim Agency, men and uh, women, I accompanied with them in the field. I met brother, a South African people, they treated refugees as human beings. Whenever I go there, they ask me about them. They ask me, when will they come back? They ask me, you know, language was not a barrier. In Lebanon, they talk Arabic. Here, they talk English. But they co managed com to communicate through smiles, through listening to them, through hugging them. So all this, like family. And for me, all these are family. I didn't get married. I didn't want to get married. But Allah blessed me with big number of kids. Alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I will introduce you to <laughs> someone that I really love. That I met like five years ago. You know, it's incredible to think why we connect in the winter. They just come out of winter. On winter day, when a mother wakes up in the morning, there's a chance her baby is dead next to her, frozen to death. We have we have challenges in South Africa, don't get me wrong. But it's not often that you go here where you wake up and your child is dead next to you because it's frozen. So that's that when you think about it, it's beyond what you can imagine. Okay. Now we are in Bika, one of the areas that has big number of refugees. In Lebanon, we have uh, 2 million refugees. Lebanon is a small country. 4 million population as Lebanese, 2 million refugees. Wow. Imagine how the population are refugees. And they live like this in tents. And they call these tents home. Their houses got destroyed in Syria. They lost all their belongings. They lost their schools. Their, uh, there's all In every tent, there's a painful story. They lost a member, family member, maybe more than one. And most of these families treated like human beings, but they are not. You know, living in these tents is, uh, is not a dignified life to live in. You know, it's, uh, now it's... Uh, uh, most of these camps are like in high areas, the yes. temperature, it's in the borders between Lebanon and Syria. And you can see the mountain now because it's night, but there they're supposed to be a mountain. After this mountain, there's Syria. Imagine they can't go to their back, to their country because it's not safe. And they live in these tents and it's very cold uh, in winter and in summer, it's like an oven. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love this boy. I mean, look at no. his smile. I'm a lot of love. I mean, I know about you. I'm Amir Hamoud, and I'm from Syria. Okay, he's introducing himself to you. He's saying, "My name is Amin Hamoud. I live in Al Aouda camp." You know, Al-Auda is an Arabic word that means the return. They name the camps and what they want. They all want to return back to their country, but when it's safe. And he said that he dreams to be a famous photographer <laughs> because he wants to take pictures and videos of Syria uh, to show the world that it's beautiful, not destroyed, as people say. Amin? Yeah. <laughs> I 
He's telling you his story, what happened in Syria. Like five years ago, he was at school with his sister uh, Samira. She's older, two years by him. And uh, there was like ex explosions where the where the city or the village where his family lives. They left school, went home. They saw the building where his house is down. He asked about his mom and dad. The neighbors told him that we just buried them. Imagine this kid went school, get education. He's supposed to go back home to hug his mom, to have lunch with his family, and he lost them. Imagine what this boy is still. Uh, imagine how strong he is. He talks about this and he's smiling to us. I'm in the tariff in the Berich can eat me later, sah? At this, I'm going to have a I'm in the head of the Salamalek. He's a chess with the Salamalek. Okay. You have to tell him his, your name. Aisha. My name is Aisha. I'm in Isma Aisha. Aisha. اوكي شو بدك تقول لعائشة عن عيد ميلادك؟ انه امبارح شو قديش طبقت وانت شو بيعني لك هذا العيد؟ قد ايه صار عمرك؟ ليش؟ عمري 12 سنة عمري 12 سنة من وقت ما توفوا قريت ما بعد احتفلت بعيد ميلادي ما بيعني ما بيعني بشي هالعيد اه هيز تيلينج يو ذات يسترداي واز هيز بيرثداي هي جاست تيرن 12 and he's saying that this day was just normal like any other day because he stopped celebrating his birthday since the death of his mom and dad and this makes him sad because when he was little they used to do like a small party for him but i mean انت شفت بجنوب افريقيا الطلاب لما غنوا لك قديش حسيت بالفرح لما غنوا لك ولا قديش شو كان بيعني لك هذا الشيء I was saying that he wants to thank South African people, especially the students at school who uh, were singing for him happy birthday yesterday and today. And he was so happy to celebrate with him this special occasion. Because yesterday we went to Oracle School. Yes. Uh, today and yesterday yeah, was where? Yes. Oh. Uh, university. University. Yeah. Mr. Lim is people here, so we also say happy birthday. Okay. And it is very special to us as well. You have to sing for him. We, have, we can <laughs> sing <laughs> for him. I mean, but you can do like home command, but instead you happy birthday, okay? Yeah. Happy birthday. He's saying he's so happy. <laughs> you should tell him we're going to come and take him. Uh, Shopping. Come and talk to him. Amin, Assalamu alaikum. Amin. Alhamdulillah. What do you want to tell him? Tell him that I'll be there in two weeks time. Uh, I mean, 
Because we take him personally shopping for eight clothes. Oh, he said that he's happy and he felt like he was like you're his dad. Mashallah, start? It starts with this girl 20 years ago. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a famous journalist. All my dreams was about this. I grew up with this dream. I was on the honor list, so I was studying and reading about what's happening in the whole world. So in my graduation year from journalism, I got an assignment to write about Palestinian camps. And I met, I went to visit this family. Her name is Hamnan. She's the elder between seven girls, two boys, no mother, no father. And they don't live in a house that looks like a house. I asked her, what do you eat? She said, and I will never ever forget the look in her eyes. She said, whenever we feel hungry, we just bring some white papers, draw, draw chicken. And I gather my brothers and sister and close our eyes, imagine ourselves eating it. And we draw apples, we color them, and we just close our eyes and imagine ourselves eating it. Imagine this 13 years old that using her talent and drawing in, mo- in making the misery or her family less. That day, uh, it's like feeling of embarrassment, feeling of shock. I never knew that we have Palestinian refugees in Lebanon. They are 10 minutes away from my house, one of the Palestinian refugee camps. So I went home that day and Alhamdulillah, my family was in good condition. So I, didn't, I don't know what it feels to be needy. I'm not of that type who just give up with frustration. Tears will not help them. I just switched. I started humanitarian work with Hanan. Uh, I wrote an article about her living in her drawings. And I published in a magazine, American magazine, and someone read it. And then I started getting support. I was by myself. I didn't know what's humanitarian work. I have no experience in this, but I managed to start with her. And the first project I implemented in 20 years ago was house rehabilitation project. And that was her house, kitchen, before and after. And this is the bedroom. It was the first time in their life they have beds. And this is the house from outside. So this girl, changed me to what I am now. Allah chose this path for me. It was not my dream. I never think that I might be on this. So Allah chose me this and I always got questions that you, wa- you are wasting your time with refugees. 20 years of your life just wasting your time with them. You are not a famous journalist. And this was your dream that you studied hard for this. And you are just on field. No one knows about you. I told them, no, I don't feel regret because my dream was to be a famous journalist. And it's enough for me that I'm famous in the hearts of these orphans, widows, uh, refugees, that they love me for me. You see the love. Mm-hmm. They all love me. Whenever I go to the camp, they just hug me. They call me Jojo, Gigi, all names. <laughs> so uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm so happy about it. And uh, I think that Allah blessed me with this. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm so blessed. I'm so happy in my life. Very happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone more happier than me. I think that every day, every day I wake up, I wake up just thinking of these smiles. 
Look at this one. Look at these children. Whenever we go to the camps, simple things make them happy. Very simple things. Just laughing, playing with them, telling them stories. Uh, just listening to what they want to say about their problems. They just, they if they have like a piece of bread, they share it with me. So this is the love I'm getting. And uh, this is what I want to stay on. And there's a quote that always inspires me that you don't feel the true feeling of happiness unless you give this happiness to those in need. I'm just so happy. Every day, every morning I wake up, I just think of how many lives were going to change, how many people were do a difference, how many kids were going to, to make them happy. So I'm so happy. And it's not a word for me. It's not a word for me. I'm so passionate about it. And I'm blessed because Allah chose me, me, for this. was a quote from Umar who said, it doesn't matter if nobody knows your name, but Allah knows your name. And you're famously, inshallah. After Allah I came you. to South Africa, everyone knows my name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Brother Amran that I'm not used to be that exposure. I used to work behind the scenes. People know me from the field. I'm known for the refugees in the Palestinian camps as well. In the Syrian refugee camps, in the Lebanese poor areas. I went to the Rohingya, I went to Gaza. But being here, just talking, I'm not used. I felt it weird in the beginning, yeah. so I just go and talk about it. But when I saw the reaction that I got from people in South Africa and how they reacted, and how they are so passionate about helping, and how they all the time just, I got so many hugs, they all want to make hugs. They're hugging me, please, please, please hug these kids for me. <laughs> so I have so many hugs, so I have... Another job that I'm going to hug every time. I don't remember the names of those who hug me. There are so many. So it's really... But also when I went to schools, I I loved this experience a lot. Being with school, with, being with kids. Kids that reacted with those kids and other kids. And I told these kids at schools that they are so blessed because they go to schools. They have families. They have clothes. They don't have to worry about the next meal. And they, this interaction between them and, and the kids, they always asked them when there was discussion between like Amin who asked them, what do you eat? The kids refused to tell them what they eat because they don't want to feel sad. So, so Alhamdulillah, I may be part of my dream is coming through here. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. If you could, um, if you could tell us maybe, I know it's probably very difficult, but like one of the best moments for you being in the field. Actually, one of the best moments for me, moments that I always remember and just feel that I'm on this. Um, this is the path that I was chosen. One of that, that's when I was I got sick. I was at the hospital because of exhaustion. I used to work like 20 hours daily, so too much work, no weekends. So I just found myself in the hospital. I lost consciousness. I was like, spent 13 days at hospital. And one Jum'a, it's Friday day, I got a call from all four orphans crying, three girls, one boy, they are orphans, their mom left them, and I used always to visit them, bringing them gifts, toys, they have to know, they call me mom. So I got a call crying, they said we are doing our Jum'ah prayer in our room, just crying and making dua for you, we want you back, because dad, we lost dad, we lost mom, we got only you, we don't want you to die. 
So, subhanallah, after this call, next day I was out of the hospital. I got the energy from them, power, yeah. the, the efforts. Another thing was my nephew. He's uh, 12, he suffers from thalassemia. I don't give that much time for my family. They have their moms, their dads. Sometimes I manage, but I don't. So once the school called me of my nephew, they said, we need you. I just came to school. They showed me like a paper because they got an assignment to write about their role model. And they said, we need you to read this. So my nephew wrote on this assignment that uh, my role mother is my aunt Jihan. And I know she has no time for me. She, but she, she spends her time with people who need her more than me. When I get sick, I know she sometimes can't find time to visit me at the hospital, but she, she helps those who are dying. And Mustafa, who used to suffer from thalassemia, like me, died as well. So, uh, and uh, even Eid, she doesn't spend it with us, but she spends it with those who need, we have a lot of toys. We don't know want toys. But she gives toys to others. She goes spend more time. We want to say that she's our uh, my role model, and I want to to just give me some time from her. But I'm proud of her, and I want to be like her. It was so emotional. His mom got mad because <laughs> <laughs> his mom wanted. To, uh, she was she saying, "I'm I'm feeding him, taking <laughs> him out, and you are the role model, and I'm not." <laughs> So this was touched my heart about because my even my nieces and nephews, so I I'm nephews I got ten I take them to the field sometimes so they need they support their orphans and they don't know what to be needy is but they are on the field always Alhamdulillah and I'm trying to make them also humanitarian. The question we usually close with is that if today was um, your last day, was your final message for whoever's listening? What would? Actually, I got the message. I got the message of love that I want to deliver to. Uh, refugees and also um, I also know that during uh, uh, our like I came here to raise awareness about Syrian and Palestinian refugees in Lebanon and I got the reaction and the love of all uh, people in South Africa and inshallah they support uh, the program through Africa Muslim Agency and they are implementing several projects for uh, refugees in Lebanon and maybe brother Amran has something to add about this. I think mainly just exactly what you talked about right now is the South Africans' hearts are always big when it comes to these kind of things. Anyway, in the world, by the way, in South Africa and internationally. And we see it through AMA's project, Mozambique, Malawi. A group of women went to Malawi two or three weeks ago and stayed in the in Malawi, seeing what's going on in Malawi. Well, you know, how women uh, need water there and how kids uh, uh, you know, need water and education there. So, I mean, when you think about the hearts of South Africans, they're huge. Uh, and what we're doing with AMA, so my last message to, to, to people watching or listening would be specifically that, that support. Because if, if, you know, Allah uses all of us as tools. Allah does not need you and I to fix the situation. As much as we cry and we feel what we feel, that situation can be fixed, kun fayakun, and can be. And we don't, are not required. But Jan said Allah chose her as a blessing. Allah blessed her with that. I read a quote, uh, something a while ago called blessed with a burden. You're blessed with a burden on your heart. Something that you just know is your responsibility to do because Allah chose you and blessed you with that. So you're not burdened by it, but you're blessed by that burden, so to speak. And when you think about it, so we can, we can, we, and Jahan said it quite clearly, tears are not going to solve it alone. So it's okay, you've got to feel the emotion. 
But if Allah brought it, when I was young, I used to always think about this weird kind of situation. My father used to go into Africa and come back and tell us what's going on. So I said, okay, well, Allah's testing them, right? That's how we always say, Allah's testing them. So if He's testing them, then how come I didn't know about it? I mean, it's not my business. It's their test. And my brain works in weird ways. He said, okay, if Allah brought it to my attention, who's the one being tested now? Now, maybe not them. Now, maybe I'm the one being tested. Because Allah didn't need me. I didn't need to know about it. So the fact that you now know about it, who's being tested now? Still then? They were their own test. But now that you know about it, now who's the real test? Because now that's your test now. Because Allah didn't need to tell you about it. But now you know. Now that you know, something's got to happen. That's the real test. So for me, that, that, that keeps me awake. And that gives me the passion to do what we do. And when I go and meet people like Jihan in Lebanon and, and, and the, the team on the ground there, it's incredible when you meet people with similar passion and vision because you understand that's what keeps me up at night. Is how come I know about it? How come? I shouldn't know about it. But if I know about it, and if you know about it, and Jihan knows about it, and people know about it, and those children are sitting there, Allah doesn't need us to fix their situation. We are nothing, but we are tools in the process. So that's my thoughts. Shukran so much. Um, I think we have to close now. Um, I just want to thank both of you and everyone here for your time. Uh, I think from all of us, thank you for doing the work that we should all be doing. Um, and for being inspiration for us. Um, I was crying for half of the time. So, <laughs> um, but I do hope that it inspires some of us to actually do the action that you do as well. May Allah bless you always mm. in every single endeavor. Yeah. Um, and may you be granted the best of the blessing. Amen. Amen. So that's it for today's show. We hope we added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guest has inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.